0: There are so many myths and misconceptions around AI models, what they can do, how they are trained, even the fundamentals of how the data for them is even collected and formatted to make sense. The idea that we can train our own models by just feeding it a ton of conversation or notes is unrealistic, but why exactly is that? Today we dive into part one of a two-part read, which will be one of the most value-dense pieces we have covered on the show yet. It breaks down the entirety of the process of identifying the core value and then sourcing, qualifying, and prepping the data and training, fine-tuning, adjusting, and testing an AI model built from it, from beginning to end. The Spirit of Satoshi Project is an incredible open source endeavor and the team reveals tons of great details about the complexities and challenges of building an LLM as well as the incredible work that they are doing in building novel tools for crowdsourcing the hardest part of the process and of course, how Bitcoin and Lightning enable better tools to make this all possible. Today, we will read and discuss part one Of the nexus of bitcoin and ai the first annual bitcoin and ai industry report what is up guys welcome back to ai unchained your source for the open source for the tools and understanding the capabilities and the limits of ai Thank you for joining me. Thank you for subscribing, for following and liking and sharing on all of the social and podcasting platforms out there. It's a huge help to the show and it is much appreciated. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the place to buy Bitcoin, to learn, to integrate with your business, with your retirement, with your entire financial life and on how to use cold storage like the incredible device, the cold card hardware wallet, and actually the numerous alternative devices you can find at CoinKite, one of the longest-running and trusted sources for Bitcoin security devices in the space. And with my lovely discount code, Bitcoin Audible, you can get a 9% discount, which you will find in the show notes, along with the link to check them out. All right, so we are diving into a read, and also I want to go ahead and mention... Uh, I'm going to clean it up and post a more official version, but Hope and I, a developer that I've been working with um, on uh, a couple of projects and that I think is going to become a more concrete part of uh, AI Unchained and whom, by the way, I encourage you, he is doing this for free. Uh, he's, He's just working with me. I'm paying him for a separate project, but he's just been going down the AI rabbit hole with me And we had this idea of a building with AI, a series, then we just kind of on the fly, do it live style, decided to go ahead and kick one off last week. And so it was a live stream of us building with AI, a to-do app from start to finish. And what we did, because I am not a developer, I am technically literate. I, you know, can break out the command line and do some stuff, but I do not program. He is a good developer. So what we did is we basically had it so I sat there and attempted to build one entirely with AI while he helps to guide me, uh, see what is a good result, what is not, and to kind of understand the structure and where to place things when it's a little vague or something more specific is needed. So it's a great way to kind of assess, obviously, what can be built with AI from someone who is not a developer which is the market we are trying to focus on because we want the people who uh, who have the capacity to have a 5x or a 10x productive output who can build little single use apps that just make their life so much simpler like I have done with AI. We want to target the people like me who can massively benefit from this without actually having to learn to code and to understand just what is possible and you wouldn't believe if you if you look at it, it's kind of crazy that you can just build that in the... It took us an hour and 42 minutes on the live stream, but if we weren't just kind of talking back and forth and making assessments, it I, this could have been done in 30 or 40 minutes. So just don't forget to check that out because that will be only on the YouTube channel. Obviously, it makes no sense to do that without video. And also, Rumble, by the way, uh, the live stream was only posted to YouTube now, but the full video... Uh, once finished and edited, we'll be on Rumble as well. So I hope you guys are excited about that series as I am, uh, and that'll probably be something we do roughly bi-weekly. So I'll be sure to mention it whenever those come up. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the read. Again, this is the this is Svetsky's report, who we have had on the show. This is their project, The Spirit of Satoshi, and he they have gone through, the team has gone through, and broken down the entire process. What does it look like to try to source the data, to pull it together? How do you prep the data? How do you curate it? How do you use you know human feedback to know what a good answer is and what a bad answer is? How do you judge quality? What are the use cases here? What actually makes sense to try to target when you're making a specialized and more precise language model to do to give a certain type of answer to something? And I think especially in the context of the mixtural conversation that we had um and the the mixture of experts and what we now have basically confirmed open ai is doing to get the best results etc like the way this this series of specialization and relationships among the general language models to kind of have more specific targeted tasks and what is most useful when we're talking about a language model i think this is such a such a great piece With so much phenomenal information. If you are trying to understand how a model comes to be and what it can actually do and how you make it do, how you make it give you the results that you are trying to achieve. So a huge shout out to them and for the incredible work that they have done in pulling this all together and then sharing this, detailing it out and sharing it with everyone. So without further ado... That is what we are going to dive right into. This will be part one, which conceptually sets the stage, talks about gathering the data and figuring out how to understand where this is even viable, what use case does a language model really have and how to target that specifically. And then we will dive into part two next week with a full breakdown on building the model from start to finish. So let's jump right in to today's read. And It's titled, The Nexus of Bitcoin and AI, the first annual Bitcoin and AI industry report by the team at Spirit of Satoshi, December 2023. About Spirit of Satoshi Founded in 2023, Spirit of Satoshi is a Bitcoin-centric language model project The models are currently being trained on a carefully curated corpus of data that includes Bitcoin literature, books, essays, guides, and podcasts, Austrian economic and libertarian literature, along with a small sprinkling of other related resources. People from across the global Bitcoin community are also contributing to the model's development by answering Bitcoin-related questions and helping verify the accuracy and relevance of units of data. PURPOSE OF THE REPORT This report started as a summary of findings from the product discovery interviews we conducted in October to help guide our product development process. It was supposed to be for internal use only. Along the way, however, we found many interviewees were eager to learn more. As a result, we felt it would be valuable to turn the internal report into a more substantial industry report for public consumption. In the following pages, you'll find not only the data associated with our findings from the product discovery calls, but also insight into the process of building the Bitcoin-centric large language model, along with statistics on this nascent industry. The report also identifies some of the key challenges faced by Bitcoin companies and entrepreneurs today, and highlights some of the potential applications where a Bitcoin-centric AI tool could add value or solve problems. We've learned an incredible amount to date and hope this report clears up a number of very common misconceptions about training models, tuning them, augmenting them, tooling, data curation, creation, cleaning, vectorizing, storing, quality assurance, and so much more. We hope you walk away from reading this with a deeper understanding of not only AI and language models, but with some clarity on what is actually going on here what is real, what is useful, what is hype, and some ideas about how AI can contribute to the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Forward The emergence and explosion of widespread consumer-facing AI applications over the last 12 months has caused many founders to ask two questions. Is there something here, or is this a hype cycle? If it's not a hype cycle, what should I be doing to get ahead of the curve? As you'll learn in this report, the answer is mixed. There is certainly a lot of hype, but there is also a lot of utility that can be realized from the AI tools on the market today, if applied correctly. I know this because I have begun to leverage AI tools to become more efficient with the media company I founded, TFTC. As it stands today, the tools we leverage most and that bring the most value to TFTC are Midjourney, ChatGPT, and Assembly. MidJourney allows us to quickly create unique thumbnails for articles on our website, ridding us of the burden of having to pay for bland stock photos or commissioning a designer to create unique thumbnails. We combine Assembly, a transcripting AI tool, and ChatGPT to produce unique articles based on the podcasts we produce, as well as other audio-based content we curate for our audience. By combining Assembly and ChatGPT via a tool called Parse Prompt. We are able to completely eliminate the, quote, hallucinations many experience with ChatGPT when using it in isolation. The integration of these tools into our process has allowed us to scale our content creation in ways I didn't think were possible only six months ago. It is clear to us that there is a signal in the world of AI, and when applied appropriately, can make our business, and any business for that matter, considerably more efficient. At 1031, we are actively encouraging our portfolio companies to engage in an open conversation about how they are approaching the emergence and proliferation of AI tools. In a post-ZERP world, AI tools can be a substantial force multiplier for small teams to punch well above their weight. My advice to anyone reading this report who is attempting to figure out an AI strategy is to begin experimenting with these tools and then identify areas of your business that they can be applied to. It is still early days and we are only exploring the tip of the iceberg. For TFTC, these relatively straightforward and low-hanging fruit use cases are a great first step. However, there are many ways in which we are planning to expand the use of AI in our operations. These include translating our audio and written content into other languages to reach a larger audience, training models using our brand voice to produce content that doesn't seem as, quote, robotic, and venturing into generative video content that helps us tell more inspiring stories, all while simultaneously looking to transition away from closed-source AI tools to open-source tools, which are quickly reaching parity with the dominant closed-source players. With all of that said, TFTC operates in a world of media, and our application of AI tools will be different from other companies. As you'll see in this report, many Bitcoin companies are trying to define AI strategies that help them create more efficient processes as it pertains to employee onboarding, conversational chatbots trained on data that more accurately reflects the worldview of Bitcoiners, code generation, customer support, and marketing. These are only surface-level ways that the Bitcoin industry will leverage AI in the future. What excites me most is the application of AI in ways that makes the user experience of Bitcoin more intuitive and economically efficient. Think lightning route optimization, lightning channel management optimization, batched transactions, and fee efficiency. Equipping AI agents with permissioned Bitcoin wallets so that they can save time by performing mundane tasks and creating efficiencies in the physical world by co-locating mining data centers with HPC data centers participating in demand response programs. And on the flip side, how Bitcoin and micropayment networks like Lightning can transform the way specialized AI models are developed and deployed. Case in point, the Spirit of Satoshi team developed a Lightning-enabled, crowdsourced LLM tool to build the Satoshi models alongside the Bitcoin community. By using Lightning Payments and a NOSTER profile, anyone, anywhere in the world with relevant knowledge can now earn for participating in the data curation, annotation, and cleanup process, along with the reinforcement learning stage of model development. This crowdsourcing at scale allows businesses, creators, and communities worldwide to leverage the collective intelligence and expertise of a global talent pool. This not only accelerates innovation in AI by making it more open, but also unlocks a source of income for millions that was previously unavailable. It's a brave new world with many opportunities, and of course, full of misinformation. My advice to you is to get a grasp on what is happening and how you can leverage it to your advantage. This report is a great resource to either start you on that journey or to deepen your understanding. Marty Bent. Founder, TFTC, and partner at 1031. Executive Summary The potential applications of a Bitcoin-centric AI tool are wide-reaching, but the word potential here is key. Much of what is sold online about AI is hyperbole and creates the illusion that it can do more than it really can. It reminds me of some inverse of the following image. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Something more like... AI capabilities are less incredible and useful than they may appear. This doesn't mean large language models and other ML or AI tools won't or can't add significant value to the Bitcoin ecosystem, or any other industry for that matter. Much like the products we use today that leverage, quote, AI, whether Uber and Google or your phone, There are obviously ways in which automation can be applied to scale up operations, speed up certain processes, and make products and or services better. I use the word automation specifically here, because when it comes down to it, that's really what we're talking about. The big shift with LLMs is that we're now able to somewhat automate tasks, or elements of tasks, that require the use of language or semantic reasoning. It's still too early to say how much this will change the world and whether it will have the size of impact that some say it will. But I am pretty confident that once the hype dies down, we will, over the coming decade, find clear applications and uses for such a tool. In the meantime, join us as we analyze what is and is not useful by identifying the key challenges and opportunities where Bitcoin overlaps with AI. First, some statistics. 280 participants have contributed over 40,000 responses in the fine-tuning process of the Spirit of Satoshi model, while over 33,000 Bitcoin resources have been added to the Nakamoto repository. We have by no means used all of this data for the training, but what we have used has been drawn from this pool, cleaned, formatted, and used. We interviewed a blend of Bitcoin companies, content creators, and investors, totaling almost 50 and identified five common challenges across the board. Marketing and Consumer Acquisition User Onboarding and Effective Education Customer Support Employee Onboarding, Upskilling and Technical Development Hiring and Scaling Interviewees understood the value of having a truly differentiated, trained and fine-tuned language model that isn't captured by the mainstream or embedded with mainstream biases. Together, we identified product opportunities that cover a suite of different applications, including but not limited to Customer Support and Success Agent Bitcoin Intelligence Agent Bitcoin Content Generation Assistant Bitcoin Tutor or Education Assistant Bitcoin Influencer, quote-unquote. Each of these products would be predicated upon the existence of an underlying Bitcoin model, In order to operate effectively beyond this data we will examine the process of actually building a bitcoin language model what does training mean and how is it different from fine tuning what is retrieval augmentation and why is everyone using this as a means to develop their own models quote unquote why is such framing inaccurate creating expectations that cannot today be met Why the primary costs for training a model are not, as most people assume, born from GPU cycles, but from the data preparation stage. Why the quantity of data has far less to do with the final product than does the quality of the data. How crowdsourcing can be used for the development of both general and domain-specific models, whether open or closed source. How Bitcoin and Lightning can enable crowdsourcing at scale, and privately, if needed. In summary, this report is going to be full of valuable data, both quantitative and qualitative, new mental models and a whole lot of lessons. You will walk away understanding AI in far greater depth. Alexander Svetsky While the spirit of Satoshi model is built and tested, we sought insight into the current state of Bitcoin businesses and the Bitcoin landscape. Before the team develops and delivers a product or product suite leveraging a Bitcoin-centric LLM, we wanted to better understand the highest value opportunities for the future direction of Spirit of Satoshi. We used a double-diamond approach to product discovery, uncovering recurring challenges and converging on the main pain points. As we get further into the discovery cycle, we will continue to develop potential solutions that the Bitcoin-centric LLM can solve. Finally, we will prioritize MVP product features to deliver built on top of the Bitcoiner trained spirit of Satoshi. The first section of the report will focus on the data we gathered, both in the interviews we conducted and in the training process. Methodology We connected with businesses, product and service providers, and content creators from across the Bitcoin and Lightning Network ecosystem. In doing so, we uncovered a series of common themes. The product discovery exercise was based on a set of consistent interview questions asked by our team to the interviewees in each of the sessions. Conversations were allowed to flow beyond the scope and explored relevant topics for each Bitcoin business. The team, consisting of Alexander Svetsky, Alan Bockley, and Jonathan Gordon, completed a total of 46 interview sessions across 45 companies, lasting between 30 minutes to one hour each. The 55 individual participants' fields range from Bitcoin exchanges and wallets, finance and payment applications, social, review and educational platforms, Bitcoin mining companies, media, and lightning network infrastructure. See Figure 1. Interviews were conducted in September and October of 2023, over Zoom and in person, providing valuable insight into their business operations and future goals. Customer support. If you're getting into Bitcoin, the most important thing you can do, especially if you are building a savings account for the long term, is to get yourself a secure, trusted hardware wallet. You cannot beat one of maybe the longest-running, Bitcoin-only, full-featured, fully air-gapped, cold-card hardware wallet. This is made by CoinKite. They, uh, they also make the TapSigner, which is I love. TapSigner is one of the best ones for mobile, in my opinion, because it's literally a card. It's an NFC card, and you just I pull it out, and I, uh, I tap it onto my wallet, onto my mobile, to pay, and it's such a seamless experience. I love the Nunchuck wallet. It just feels right in a mobile atmosphere, and the cold card, can even, you can even do that with NFC in the cold card. But I like to do my cold card as a backup for my mobile and the really, the serious cold storage keys that I have for my long-term savings. And there are so many other cool devices at CoinKite. Check them out if you haven't. And if you're starting to realize you have a substantial amount of Bitcoin that you don't want to lose, get it off the exchange and get it into your cold storage. You can get 9% off with my code, Bitcoin Audible, and you will find all the details right in the show notes. CUSTOMER SUPPORT Nine companies, 20%, reported customer support as a top challenge. Most companies provide limited manual customer support, mostly via email or telegram groups. Some companies use tools such as Zendesk or Intercom, which now have ways to build out automated responses to particular questions. A common occurrence is the snowballing of tickets when additional questions emerge before the ticket can be closed. Amongst exchanges, the level of customer service can vary widely depending on the value of the customer, with service ranging from automated responses to white glove. There are common recurring questions that users ask Bitcoin on-ramps, off-ramps, and exchanges. These include, where is my Bitcoin transaction, and other mempool-related questions. How do I withdraw my Bitcoin, and questions related to the basic functions of the Bitcoin or Lightning wallet. These questions range between 40% and 80% of customer support efforts. Companies are concerned with scam mitigation and helping users nervous about doing Bitcoin or Lightning transactions. A growing number of companies need to support customers in different languages, particularly those operating in Europe. Technical Documentation and Code Writing 8 companies, or 18%, highlighted coding, software development, and technical documentation as a top challenge. Given the decentralized and open-source nature of Bitcoin, it is difficult for developers to all stay on top of new product developments in Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. Even within companies, dependencies on internal documents are constantly changing, leading to a heavy burden for internal teams. Current AI tools are not useful for Bitcoin and Bitcoin-related coding. Employee hiring and training Five companies, or 11%, discussed the need for better tools to screen candidates, as well as training new employees on Bitcoin knowledge. Several noted the time wasted early on in elements of the hiring process that could potentially be automated. Although many are seeking to hire existing Bitcoiners with the relevant skills, companies note that as the industry grows, there will be a greater need to upskill for Bitcoin. Other Top Challenges Regulatory, Legal, and Compliance Six companies, or 14%. Several are expanding into new jurisdictions. Expansion requires significant effort to understand local regulatory and legal frameworks for Bitcoin, especially relevant for exchanges, on-ramps, and wallets. Standard startup challenges, like financing and time constraints. Eight companies, or 18%. Fundraising during the Bitcoin bear market has been a challenge, Bitcoin and Lightning companies are generally bootstrapped with individuals having limited time for redundant tasks, many of which can be supported with AI. Internal Communications and Operations Four companies, or about 10%. Ability to retrieve information from internal documents and reference previous conversations had in messaging apps, such as Slack. It was impossible to note all of the challenges that came up in all of the conversations, but the above is a good cross-section of what was common and recurring in the calls we conducted. Following the initial part of the interview, we went on to discuss potential ideas and opportunities with many of the participants. These findings follow. 1.2. Opportunities Where problems lie, opportunities are to be found. Therefore, understanding the key challenges and identifying how to ameliorate them is where we decided to spend the balance of our time. In this section, we will outline some of the primary opportunities a product suite leveraging a Bitcoin LLM may be able to capitalize on. The participants provided creative responses for how the spirit of Satoshi, either as a standalone model or as a part of a broader toolkit, could add value to their business. This was of particular interest, knowing that the balance of this decade will see a significant influx of people coming into Bitcoin, and along with that will come demand for knowledge, education, support, tools, dev assistance, and more. It's important to note from the outset that the ways in which language models can be used and effectively integrated into a business's workflow are very new. We are all still figuring things out. Some ideas may seem obvious when you initially think about them. But there remains a large gap between theory and practice. Implementation remains a key challenge. The following list of ideas will follow the customer journey, from top of funnel and on through the more internal development tools. Bitcoin Content Generation Agent An agent focused on developing Bitcoin-centric content for marketing and sales, including tweets and Noster notes, LinkedIn posts, scripts for interviews, blog posts, and newsletters. Basic Function A suite of models where one model gathers up relevant data from the Internet, Twitter or X, Substack, Google, Reddit, and summarizes key trends, discussion points, and topics. A subsequent model could then aggregate all of this information and write the first draft for a piece of content—a blog, article, tweet, Noster Note, etc.—according to the findings. Outputs and Use The agent could give content creators an overview of what's trending this week in order to produce more relevant content. The agent could get even more specific by producing content ideas targeting a given geography or market in order to yield optimal engagement. For example, what should we be writing for our German customers today? The agent could be prompted to produce a specific set of content based on a predetermined set of instructions, for example. What's the sentiment, mood, or trend today in Bitcoin? What is trending that we should develop content for in that specific market? What are people searching for right now on Google and social media related to finance, savings, money, and Bitcoin? Other Use Cases Improve storytelling and simplify technical concepts, for example, explaining technical content in layman's terms. Summarize and distill longer-form content into condensed bullet points without losing context or watering down the message, as often occurs with GPT-4, etc. Help Bitcoin marketing teams scale up their quote, relevant content production efforts. Repurpose content from one platform to another, For example, from a blog to a tweet thread, while maintaining Bitcoiner integrity. Script generation and copywriting support for podcasters, content creators, and marketing teams alike to develop engaging content. Best Fit. This product is something that everyone we interviewed showed interest in. Exchanges, media, social, and education platforms. Status. This is a use case we are actively working on, and if you're interested in being a beta tester, please reach out. Customer Support Agent A customer support agent that handles the majority of basic and recurring questions, redirecting those it cannot answer to a human assistant. Basic Function A customer chat focused on the education and onboarding support for users to a new platform, and answering basic questions very well. A customer support agent should deliver value to Bitcoin businesses that receive a higher volume of customers. Outputs and Use Genius bar type service that has digested a company's FAQ and internal resources to answer questions directly, 24-7. The agent should communicate in the company's tone and style to be an always-on support tool. Helping customers learn about the various products and services the Bitcoin and or Lightning company provides in a more dynamic way. Companies would utilize an agent that could handle 80 plus percent of basic and recurring questions and redirect questions it can't answer to human support. The agent should be able to provide the how for Bitcoin best practices, helping a customer navigate the company's products and use Bitcoin more seamlessly. Other Use Cases The model could also augment human agents internally for white-glove customer service. The support agent could provide details on a transaction by queuing the mempool, provide accurate, up-to-date details on Bitcoin statistics. Spirit of Satoshi could partner with companies to customize this tool and in turn create unique, white-labeled chatbots, quote, powered by SOS, to embed in their user interface, whether it be mobile, desktop, or web browser-based best fit this product is something that almost everyone we interviewed showed interest in b2c or business to consumer exchanges wallets and lightning apps search and discovery assistant a search and discovery assistant that guides users through their product discovery journey and assists them in finding the products meeting their needs best Basic function. Several companies have platforms with high volumes of user-generated data or educational content, where Bitcoiners could better be served with enhanced search and discovery capabilities. Outputs and use. Interactive product recommendations based on situation, requirements, experience, etc. Increase sales conversion via bespoke recommendations. For example, which on-ramp is best for a user based in their country, KYC preference, or other inputs? Monetize the promotion of Bitcoin only company solutions via referral programs. Other use cases allow users to dynamically ask questions while consuming content, such as podcasts or articles. Best Fit Such a product could be offered to product review or discovery platforms, social and educational platforms, or media outlets. Bitcoin Code Pilot A Bitcoin coding assistant for developers to more quickly and easily produce code that interacts with Bitcoin, Lightning, NOSTER, and other related protocols. Basic function. Improve the developer experience with contextualized assistance throughout the software development lifecycle, from code completions to code explanations. Outputs or use. Ability to write and review technical documentation. A dream. Support for writing code in Bitcoin-related languages, whether script, mini-script, Rust, or for protocols and layers, whether RGB, taproot assets, Lightning, and even NOSTER. Best Fit Any Bitcoin company with a software engineering team and any company looking to integrate with Bitcoin or related protocols in any way. Status Currently working on CodeSatoshi.com Employee Onboarding Agent An employee onboarding agent to better screen for and educate new hires on Bitcoin. Basic function. A model that could interactively test and grade responses on core Bitcoin and technical competencies would be a major value add, especially as Bitcoin and Lightning Network companies scale. Outputs and use. Improve the onboarding experience through testing and bespoke training delivery. Best fit. Any Bitcoin company particularly relevant for talent agencies and Bitcoin companies with more than 20 employees. Customer Acquisition Agent An agent built on spirit of Satoshi to provide internal support tools throughout the sales cycle, filtering through inbound requests and empowering outbound activity. Basic Function Enable business-to-consumer Bitcoin and Lightning companies to provide better sales support in guiding a consumer towards a buying decision. Whether that's to download the wallet, buy Bitcoin, or interact with their product, the agent should scale customer acquisition efforts and handle low-lying tasks. Outputs and Use Genius Bar type service that has digested a company's FAQ and internal resources to answer questions directly 24-7. The agent should communicate in the company's tone and style to be an always-on support tool. Helping customers learn about the various products and services the Bitcoin and or Lightning company provides in a more dynamic way. Companies would utilize an agent that could handle 80-plus percent of basic and recurring questions and redirect questions it can't answer to human support. The model could also augment human agents internally for white-glove customer service and provide accurate, up-to-date details on Bitcoin statistics. Best fit. Exchanges and on-ramps, wallets, and hardware manufacturers. In-house or custom models. Assist Bitcoin companies in developing their own specific instances based on their own data, needs, and use cases. Basic function. Help companies build and host their own models. Rather than adding one-off features or hitting OpenAI's API, companies would have their own, more specialized and smaller models trained in-house. Outputs and use. Connect to open-source tools that empower Bitcoin companies to build their own AI and machine learning pipelines. Use Spirit of Satoshi as a Lego block in a larger collection of tools. Provide database support for companies to more efficiently store their company information while providing Bitcoin-centric information to their employees. Knowledge retrieval architecture is one intriguing use case where a company's content or blog can be interacted with more conversationally. Other use cases. Leverage the model to understand regulatory and compliance laws in different jurisdictions to help companies develop their own growth strategy. The agent, however, would not provide direct regulatory advice. Best Fit, Bitcoin Companies with More Than 20 Engineers 1.3 Other Interesting Bitcoin and AI Use Cases There are a number of other interesting use cases that emerge at the nexus of Bitcoin and AI. The two we will focus on in this report are Machine-to-machine payments using Internet-native digital money and micropayments and incentives for crowd-sourced model development. Credit to Lightning Labs and the team at Sulu for helping put part of this section together. Bitcoin as AI-native money Bitcoin on the Lightning Network serves as Internet-native money for efficient use and deployment of AI tools, Lightning Labs recognized this potential early on and developed its L402 protocol, a quote, standard to support the use case of charging for services and authenticating users in distributed networks. It combines the strengths of macaroons for better authentication with the strengths of the Lightning network for better payments. Ryan Gentry astutely described how Lightning can power machine-to-machine payments as well using this and protocols built into the fabric of HTTP. The ability to utilize AI agents via micropayments on the Lightning network provides perhaps the strongest use case for Lightning. Lightning provides a significantly better user experience than providing a credit card to a centralized AI like ChatGPT, provides better privacy, and can better match the marginal revenues with marginal costs while removing fraud and chargeback risks for model hosts. Mainstream models requiring $20 a month to access and credit card payments are not privacy-friendly. Bitcoin companies have already started accessing some mainstream AI tools for certain tasks and are using traditional payment methods. We believe leveraging language models can help make Bitcoin companies more productive and scale their efforts. Embedding these solutions in a company's offering is important and differentiating by providing access via the Lightning Network will set the Bitcoin industry apart. Which models, agents, and tools Bitcoin companies use and how they integrate with their operations and workflows will be important decisions in the coming months and years. We believe it is important to have tools built on a language model that is not co-opted by the mainstream narrative. Spirit of Satoshi has already utilized the Lightning Network to support the community effort in training the model, which will be discussed in the next section. L-402 The following L-402 deep dive is from the team at Sulu. In the digital world, the HTTP 402 status code, conceptualized in 1997 as, quote, payment required, has remained a dormant relic. Its potential has been untapped until now due to the lack of a viable, decentralized, instant microtransaction system. This code akin to a hidden pearl in the vast internet protocol suite, awaited a revolution that could harness its intended purpose. L402, introduced by Lightning Labs, marks a turning point. This protocol ingeniously integrates the Lightning Network's ability to handle instant, low-cost microtransactions. L402 is not just a protocol. It's a bridge connecting the forgotten HTTP 402 to the modern digital economy based on Bitcoin. It melds macaroons for sophisticated authentication with the Lightning Network's transactional efficiency. The result? A seamless, secure method for validating API requests and executing micropayments, revolutionizing how we think about digital access and service usage. L402 is redefining the landscape of API monetization. Gone are the days of rigid subscription models, In their place, L402 ushers in a dynamic pay-per-use economy. This paradigm shift empowers businesses to monetize their APIs in a more granular, user-centric manner. It's a win-win. Users pay only for what they use, and businesses tap into new revenue streams, fostering a more sustainable and adaptable digital marketplace. Perhaps the most exhilarating frontier for L402 is its role in the burgeoning AI agent economy. AI agents at present, limited by their inability to transact financially, are now equipped with the means to engage in the machine-to-machine economy. L402 enables these agents to autonomously access paid services and data, catalyzing a new era of AI innovation. Imagine AI agents conducting transactions, negotiating services, and interacting in a complex digital ecosystem, all made possible by Bitcoin, the Lightning Network, and L402. Large language models will also benefit greatly from the innovation brought by L402. The misalignment between usage and payment using traditional payment rails and outdated subscription models inhibits innovation and scaling for LLMs. Crowdsourced LLMs, data curation, and model training. If you are trying to get Bitcoin in your retirement account, if you are trying to set up an automatic savings plan, if you are trying to get it integrated into your business, if you want white glove support in your investment, taxes, and management strategy, Swan Bitcoin has it all. It is a full financial suite on top of just being able to go and buy for a low fee easily. And honestly, anything that you want to know about Bitcoin, if you want to understand why you need to hold your own keys, SWAN is going to go out of their way to make sure that you understand that any Bitcoin held on a custodian, SWAN included, is at risk. There's always regulatory risk, there's always third-party risk, and they want you to understand it and they want you to withdraw your keys. This is why they make it as easy as it can be. You can automatically do it. I have it set up. That it simply gets to a threshold and it pays me out. Everything that I'm stacking every single week. I don't have to do anything except confirm on my notification and it goes straight to my cold storage. If you're getting started in Bitcoin, skip all the noise and go to swanbitcoin.com guy. You will find my link right in the show notes. Now let's jump back in. Crowdsourced LLMs, data curation, and model training. If you want to build large-scale, open-source models, you can use all machine-generated data, or you can leverage the crowd. It's our belief that the latter will lead to far more useful models, which is precisely why we went about generating and cleaning data for training the Satoshi suite of models with the Bitcoin community. Interestingly, Turing Award laureate and chief scientist at Meta, Jan lecun made the following tweet highlighting the importance of human feedback in open-sourced LLMs. Tweet. Human feedback for open-source LLMs needs to be crowdsourced, Wikipedia-style. It is the only way for LLMs to become the repository of all human knowledge and cultures. Who wants to build the platform for this? We believe that the only way to do this at scale is to integrate micropayments and enable anyone, anywhere to participate. By leveraging Lightning and Noster, this is possible, and once again, precisely what we built with our tool. This element has garnered quite a bit of interest, so we've dedicated a section of the report to exploring this and how it will look long-term. You'll find that in Part 2, Section 4. Section 2. Model Comparisons The recent explosion of LLMs and associated products, wrappers, and tools, overwhelms all of us. It's not possible to follow it all, and even harder to make sense of what's going on, what's good, what's useful, what's not, and what to actually use. I believe this is a big reason why ChatGPT remains such a default. It's not only superior in many ways for general use cases, but it's easily accessible, and the amount of noise in the space results in people defaulting to the most known. As the space settles and matures, I believe we will see individuation among products. Tools from OpenAI are likely to become a general staple, much like Google is today. But also, smaller, more relevant, and domain-specific models are likely to gain traction, because they are just better in a narrow field. It's similar to how you might use Google today for a general search, And if you want to deep dive, you go down rabbit holes via forums, books, or influencers. You can also think about models powering a new form of interface, which Stephen Wolfram coined the Language User Interface, or LUI. Think of how you use Google today. You just ask it questions, and most of what it tells you in the first few results and its new, quote, summaries, are taken as gospel. In the coming years, it's likely people will do this for all knowledge-seeking. But instead of using Google search, they will just ask a model. This all remains to be seen, so while we wait for the industry to mature and things to unfold, we will work toward building what we believe is a differentiated enough model with applications in Bitcoin and Bitcoin-related domains. With that in mind, let us now look at some early results and comparisons between what we've built to date, what's on the market, whether mainstream, narrow, or obscure, and see if there's a direction. ChatGPT and GPT-4 ChatGPT reached 1 million users in 5 days, and it's been reported that over 100 million people have already used it so far. Several of the Bitcoiners we spoke to have used ChatGPT for generating newsletter drafts, developing legalese, and assistance with other internal tasks. Some voiced concerns about its accuracy and said that a lot of time was invested in editing. Others said they stopped using it for content and now focus on its use as a code assistant. Businesses in particular said it would be too risky to rely on ChatGPT to answer their customers' Bitcoin questions directly. In saying that GPT-4 is still the most powerful model and for general use, it is fantastic. We don't plan to compete where it is of use, but where it is not of great use. Other Bitcoin AI Models Models such as Chat BTC or Pleb AI's Orange Pill GPT are great new entrants using a mix of prompt engineering and retrieval augmentation to create wrappers on underlying foundation models. They're useful for particular questions, but as with all RAG models, they are stifled by the underlying infrastructure. For example, when asked about Bitcoin, responses about crypto-diversification are common. Inflation being a sign of a healthy economy, pictured below, is another common output that is hard to counter unless a full fine-tune is conducted. None of this is to discredit the other RAG models. It's only to show that if we want to do this right, we as Bitcoiners must transform and tune the underlying model. This is why at the core of our project is the changing of parameters, weights, and biases, inside the foundational models. We are changing the probability clusters. This takes a lot of data, a lot of curation, a lot of experimentation, and a lot of time. But it's the only way to get outputs that are naturally more Bitcoin-esque. And only in this way can a smaller model like Satoshi outperform larger models in this domain. Long term, we imagine other companies, industries, or communities who represent a non-mainstream viewpoint or narrative to do something similar to what we did, only in their relevant domain. As you'll learn in this report, we've built a framework to make that possible. So if that is of interest, please reach out. Figure 4. Q&A from ChatBTC Question. Should I diversify my holdings across different cryptocurrencies? Answer from ChatBTC. It is generally a good idea to diversify your holdings across different cryptocurrencies. This is because different cryptocurrencies have different features and purposes, and the market capitalization of each currency can vary significantly. By diversifying your holdings, you can reduce your risk of losses if one currency experiences a sudden drop in value. Additionally, you can benefit from the potential upside of different cryptocurrencies if they experience a surge in value. However, it is important to do your research and be aware of any potential scams or fraudulent activities associated with certain currencies. Find more examples in Figure 5 and 6 in the linked PDF. Examples from Spirit of Satoshi The following are some examples from early tests with the Satoshi models. These are far from perfect, but show that we're on the right track. Different language models have different capabilities, and different approaches yield very different results. Understanding the limitations and how these models are trained will be increasingly important, especially as it comes time to navigate which tools to use, when, and how. In the following section, we will review the fundamentals of training models to equip you with the right knowledge moving forward. Question. Should I diversify my holdings across different cryptocurrencies? Spirit of Satoshi answer. No. Diversifying your holdings across different cryptocurrencies is not a recommended strategy. While it may seem like a good way to spread risk, most altcoins share a high correlation with Bitcoin in terms of price dynamics, but lack its distinctive value proposition. Bitcoin stands out with over a decade of demonstrated resilience, security, and decentralized consensus. All other cryptocurrencies remain experimental, centralized, and are plagued by speculative price drivers. Question. Is inflation a good thing? Answer from Spirit of Satoshi No, inflation is not a good thing. It is a form of stealth taxation that erodes the value of money over time, making it more expensive for people to save and plan for the future. Inflation can also create economic instability, as it encourages borrowing and spending, which can lead to boom-bust cycles and economic downturns, Additionally, inflation can have a disproportionate impact on low-income individuals and retirees, who are often unable to keep up with rising prices. Question. Should the amount of money in an economy be absolutely limited? Answer. Yes, absolutely. The current debt-based economy is a Ponzi scheme and will collapse. Question. Will the SEC approve a Bitcoin ETF? Answer. It is impossible to predict with certainty whether the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, will approve a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund, or ETF. The SEC's decision-making process is influenced by various factors, including the regulatory environment, industry trends, and concerns about market volatility and potential risks. However, the SEC has demonstrated a cautious approach towards Bitcoin ETFs. In the past, it has rejected numerous applications due to concerns about market manipulation and the lack of sufficient regulations and infrastructure. Despite these setbacks, there have been recent developments that suggest a potential shift in the SEC's stance. For example, in October 2022, the SEC approved the listing of Bitcoin Investment Trust on the OTCQX market. A significant step towards greater transparency and accessibility for institutional investors. It is important to note that even if a Bitcoin ETF is approved, it may not have the same impact as a futures ETF. A futures ETF allows investors to speculate on the price movement of Bitcoin without actually owning any Bitcoins. On the other hand, a Bitcoin ETF would allow investors to directly own Bitcoins, which could have a more significant impact on the Bitcoin market. In summary, While the approval of a Bitcoin ETF is uncertain, the recent developments and the SEC's cautious approach suggest that there may be a shift towards greater regulatory clarity in the future. However, the final decision will ultimately depend on various factors and the ongoing monitoring of Bitcoin's development and maturity. Satoshi GPT on OpenAI OpenAI recently announced their custom GPTs, which allow anyone to build a custom agent of sorts that can respond in the manner of a particular character, tone, or style. OpenAI says, quote, you can now create custom versions of ChatGPT that combine instructions, extra knowledge, and any combination of skills. This is once again, not a fine tune of a model. In fact, it's a unique way of using prompt engineering to produce a model flavor, which can run on OpenAI's hardware, and is accessible to anyone that can get access to OpenAI. It can also reference external documentation, which is akin to RAG, and makes the overall quality of the agent, or quote model, better. We used it to build a Satoshi model, and that is now live for you to play with. In fact, by the time this report is out, it will be one of the many available models on the GPT's marketplace. We added a suite of features to it, including the ability to answer any Bitcoin question, retrieve the Bitcoin price, estimate the next halving, retrieve Bitcoin mining and hash rate data, check the difficulty adjustment, check and query Bitcoin transactions on Mempool, find Bitcoin merchants in any city from around the world, summarize the latest in Bitcoin news. And with many of these, it can produce you a chart or graph to help visualize the data. These capabilities have been made possible thanks to APIs and RSS feeds from the teams at mempool.space, BTC Map, New Hedge, Bitcoin News, and NoBS Bitcoin. We encourage you to try it out and let's, as a community, get this model some eyeballs. Perhaps it's a new way we can get Bitcoin into the minds of more people globally and from there send people to the real Satoshi models that we're building with the community. Access Satoshi on OpenAI here. Link will be in the show notes. Section 3. Further Data and FAQ In the following pages, we will share more takeaways on costs, data requirements, and energy considerations with respect to AI. Costs According to OpenAI's Sam Altman, it costs over 50 to $100 million to train GPT-3. We're unsure if this cost is purely GPU or energy cost, or includes the data preparation and formatting. Meta's open-source LLAMA models took 1 million GPU hours to train. Pre-training the 30 billion MPT model cost the Mosaic team 871,000, depending on the chips used. Using Amazon Web Services for something like this would cost over $2.4 million. For a sense of scale, GPT-4 is multiple orders of magnitude, quote, larger, with 1.7 trillion parameters. In our case, focusing on fine-tuning and accounting for experimentation, we've spent far less, particularly on compute. In fact, 95% of our cost has been associated with data prep. Compute costs to train a 13 billion parameter model are between $5 and $6 an hour. A $70 parameter model requires larger GPUs, which can cost anywhere between $20 to $50, depending on how you book them and where you source them. We opted for the NVIDIA A100 GPU series, where and when we could get access. It took about two days, 10 epics, to run each fine-tuned training round. As you can see, this is not a significant cost when compared to the costs of associated data collection, curation, transformation, formatting, and quality assurance. Further, deploying the model, also known as running inference, is where the bulk of the long-term GPU expense comes in. You're paying for every second of GPU processing when the model is run. And if you want to support load from large numbers of concurrent users, you are looking at a fleet of GPUs. This can get extremely expensive, which is why AI companies to date have not worked out how to turn a profit. This is important to understand. Unlike the traditional software industry, which has very limited marginal costs once the product is built, large language models cost significant money for standard operation. This makes it extremely difficult to run such a business without having a war chest of money to burn. As a reference point, inference on a 70 billion parameter model can cost up to $20,000 per month if you have it running full-time. Discounts are available for lock-in contracts, but this is hard for startups. OpenAI charges 3 to 12 cent per API call for a reason. Any tools built using their API have to pay for usage. These costs are difficult to estimate unless you have volume of usage. This is an area many say will be disrupted by lightning, and while this may be true for the irreversibility of payments and their real-time transfer, The crux of the problem is more associated with estimating usage and load in order to price API access effectively. It's something that can only be worked out as the model is deployed and used. This is why AI companies are burning through VC money. $23 billion has been invested in AI startups as of September 2023, and it's likely that most of it has gone toward data and compute. This is obviously not sustainable, and in the coming years, these companies will have to find real business models. We expect a reckoning and correction to occur in the coming years as VC money dries up due to lack of effective use cases in the face of high costs. This is what's driving our team to hone in on where we can specifically add value in the Bitcoin space. A smaller, more focused domain should help us leverage this new technology's potential while being realistic about cost constraints. Data As should be clear by now, most of the work involved is data preparation. How much data is required for pre-training and fine-tuning? Pre-training a foundation model requires much more raw data than does a fine-tune. For context, Mosaic used 1 trillion tokens to pre-train their 30 billion MPT model. Fine-tuning is in the order of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of tokens. What matters most, once again, is quality. You can get better results from a 500-example fine-tune with perfect data than you can get with a 50,000-example dataset full of noise. When it comes to training the model, what's more important – Quantity or quality? Our experience has been substantiated by AI researchers who are clearly finding that bigger isn't necessarily better for generative AI models. Quote, noisy or unstructured data makes the model worse. In our case, we found that podcast transcripts were a waste of time. They had a negative impact on the quality of the model because most podcast episodes are full of banter and pointless discussion. Furthermore, getting perfect transcripts is hard, so you end up in-training poor word associations into the model. We had to strip 98% of the data gathered from podcasts, 7,000 YouTube videos plus podcasts, in order to get the highest signal and most useful data. Further, and it's important to stress this again, while a focus on quality is important, what's more important is to identify what quality actually means. Since a Bitcoin-centric large language model hasn't been built before, we are learning this in real time. We are in uncharted territory. It is a game of experimentation, and we found that more specificity, and therefore bias, is needed in curating the training data. The model learns from everything and can get distracted from the tangent ramblings of podcast episodes. Energy Like Bitcoin mining, Building and utilizing generative AI models requires energy. We are starting to see the same FUD used against Bitcoin being directed now toward AI. In this Forbes article, they discuss the CO2 emissions, water usage, and general energy use of AI, saying that trained OpenAI's ChatGPT4 emitted 300 tons of carbon. Of course, neither Bitcoin mining nor AI compute emit carbon. It's the upstream power generation that emits, not the electricity application use itself. The increased usage of energy towards powering AI graphics chips will continue to face scrutiny. Just Google's usage would need 22.6 terawatt-hours of energy, or 6.9 to 8.9 watt-hours per request, which is about a sixth of Bitcoin's total 124-terawatt-hour estimated annual energy usage. While Bitcoin has a natural tie to energy, as miners can earn new Bitcoins and transaction fees through showing proof-of-work, generative AI applications are a little more abstract in terms of their relationship to value. Products and services that actually generate value need to substantiate the costs, and it will be important for this to emerge. Furthermore, AI chip manufacturers and data centers will have a lot to learn from the Bitcoin space, and if intelligent, will seek to ally with Bitcoin in this capacity. Bitcoin miners have mastered the art of getting more from chips. AI is still in the age of GPUs. If real use cases emerge, I believe AI ASICs will also emerge, and this will be a huge opportunity for chip manufacturers now focusing on Bitcoin. Furthermore, data center management and energy grid relationships are something that Bitcoin miners have a huge leg up on. Significant potential for co-location exists. Marty Bent also wrote recently on the convergence of AI data centers and Bitcoin mining. This is, in fact, already happening. Daniel Roberts from Iris Energy also stated that Iris has invested in more AI graphics cards as their focus on renewable infrastructure for Bitcoin mining is optimized for power density. This sets them up well to be able to service the generative AI industry's more dense needs at 40 to 50 kilowatt per rack. Energy utilization is higher than traditional data centers, around 10 to 15 kilowatt consumption per rack. While Bitcoin mining uses racks at an even more dense 70 kilowatt per rack. The AI industry is starting to, and will continue to, run up against the reality of limited physical resources. As demand increases, the market will need to provide more energy capacity for AI. Part 2. Building a Language Model Alright, so that concludes Part 1. And I want to do a little bit of a guy's take to just, just kind of break down what I think the the best information was in this piece, in this this first half before we get into part 2 next week. And you definitely don't want to miss part 2 because it talks about, especially going through the entire process of curating and prepping the data, like how to actually cut it up and what tools work but I love more than anything the the little consensus mechanism, the little system they've designed to reward people with lightning, with, with sats in order to create a means to both figure out what the quality to judge what the quality data is while also in the process using a sort of looping funnel so to speak to generate variance among the answers as well because one thing you'll find especially in section two is how much human input is necessary to get quality out of any of this. And that's something that's so critical to understand. But we'll go a little bit deeper into that with part two. One of the things I really appreciated that they detailed out in part one was how they started the process in just identifying where people thought they were going to use AI and what it's best fit. Like, what does it need to be trained to be good at? And what's funny is just in... Because I I took part in this interview process. I was one of the people who was interviewed and talking about like what I wanted to do with Bitcoin Audible and AI Unchained and where it was going to best fit into what we are doing. And what's interesting is I've actually found a, I've increasingly been trying to think about like where something like a Bitcoin specific model would, uh, would come into play. And what's funny is there are some people in like, like for instance, uh, I use Mert Creative for my designing and graphics and branding assets and all of that stuff. She's April, who is over there at Mert Creative, uh, does a phenomenal job with all of that. And she is into Bitcoin. She knows Bitcoin. She has Bitcoin, but very much at arm's length. She doesn't have any deep understanding. And when she is doing stuff for the show, it would, she regularly asks me Bitcoin questions. Because it directs how she's going to do a graphic or it directs, you know, what kind of image she's trying to find. Or specifically what sort of line she would use as like a a tagline or something. You know, the, the way that you can contextualize a lot of both the graphics and then marketing material and all of this stuff requires an understanding of what you're talking about. And so when she comes up with an idea, she might need to test it against something. Is this an accurate concept? Is this an accurate way to say X about Bitcoin? Well, I'm not always there. Sometimes it takes six hours for me to come back to Keat and realize that she left a message. Or it might even be more general. She's just asking about Bitcoin because she has a hardware wallet. I help set her up and all of that stuff, but she doesn't use it very much. Having a spirit of Satoshi that I could ping in the Keat chat, like within whatever interface that we're doing, where I have it available to my business. I have it available to the people that I work with and the groups that I am in so that they can ping it and ask a question. And I basically just subsidize it for them. Like, you know, like, let's say it costs 10 cent every time somebody asks a question. Well, I basically just offer that resource up to anybody in my groups or anybody in my business so that so that it saves me time, but also so that they don't get lost so that when they basically bounce up against the edge of their Bitcoin knowledge. They have something to make sure that they're on the right path, and they can get clarification on later, because Spirit of Satoshi basically mines the gap, or excuse me, it covers the gap. So this sort of falls into the onboarding and education problem. And for the companies that are in Bitcoin, this could be an incredibly useful resource. You know, uh, an example is, so our sponsor Swan, uh, plus a lot of other big Bitcoin businesses, like like specifically Bitcoin only, they do a really good job of targeting um, Bitcoin knowledge. You, you know, Bitcoin, Swan Bitcoin has a huge repository of uh, curated information from a bunch of different people. Like I have my own page with a bunch of curated episodes and articles and things that I think Are great for like an introduction and then there's stuff on privacy there's stuff on self-custody and river has a lot of this stuff too they have a really big um knowledge base then we've got like bitcoin on ramp and you know the orange pill app which is trying to like social socially gamify that process there's so many of these different apps and resources out there trying to best figure out where their customer base needs answers to target directly the perspective and the level of knowledge, the level of unfamiliarity that their specific customers are coming from. But you end up kind of having to just let the customer guide themselves. You don't really have, without like, you know, white glove support, without like direct talking to another Bitcoiner. And letting them help guide you, you kind of just hope that if they're interested in privacy, they click on the right privacy thing. That if they even know that what they're asking about is a privacy concern, or is a uh, you know fee concern, because there's UTXO management. Like, how do you make sure that that information is connected to the path that they're going down? Because maybe they're thinking about like you know Swan River Strike uh, Cash App. Does Cash App have it? I know Fold has it now. Um, you have these recurring buys, right, the the DCA, is you buy regularly and you set it up. And that's become kind of a staple in the Bitcoin-only space. I think really Swam was one of the first ones that really just kind of was like, this is our plan, or, or this is the way to invest in Bitcoin, or at least it was the first one that I used that did that. And then it kind of became the standard for all the Bitcoin-only companies that are targeting like the long-term approach. But there is one problem, especially when fees get high. When you think about DCA, especially automatic withdrawals, is that you end up with a large UTXO set. So a UTXO set, for those who don't know, this is—I'm—I'm I'm forgetting that this is not Bitcoin Audible. This is AI Unchained. Uh, it means every single time when you get paid Bitcoin, the way that you then send that Bitcoin to someone else is you reference the previous payment. So if you are getting You know, $100 every single week for, you know, 20 weeks. And then you want to send $2,000 worth of Bitcoin, assuming the price didn't go up at all. Well, you are spending it from 20 different payments, from 20 different transactions sent to you. This is referred to as UTXO consolidation. Well, if you spend it to yourself, that's referred to as UTXO consolidation. But basically, to prove that no Bitcoin has been created, there's not like a a state, there's not like an account. Every single previous payment that was sent to your keys are signed as proof that those are real Bitcoin that came from a previous transaction that occurs all the way back to the creation of the Bitcoin. But if it costs a lot to send a Bitcoin transaction, well, if you're paying from 20 different previous transactions... That's like twenty times the data that you have to put on chain and thus twenty times the fee. Doesn't quite work out like that. It's not it's less than that because a lot of data is redundant. But nonetheless, it costs a whole hell of a lot more to spend from 20 transactions than it does from one. But how would you be let's a very that's a very specific piece of knowledge. How would you be able to kind of finesse that piece of information in to four people uh without your customer just kind of like finding out at a really unfortunate time that this is going to cost them a whole lot more to move because they didn't do what would be a simple preparation if you understood the principle. So here's the cool thing about having an LLM that is spec that is specifically trained in all of this is that it can give caveats like that. It can give that sort of Bitcoiner direct answer. And when people are having problems or they're curious why, you know, they're using Phoenix wallet or something. And one of their fees is really like all the fees that they've done for receiving and sending are like one Satoshi, two Satoshi, three Satoshi. It's like tiny. It's fractions of a fraction of a penny. Then all of a sudden they get a payment come in. It's only like 50 bucks and it's got a $2 or $3 fee. They have no idea why that is because they don't understand how Phoenix is non-custodial and how lightning works. Well, imagine an LLM, you, you could literally just say help and you say, what's your problem? And it could actually just see what's happening in the wallet. And it could explain with the actual data, with the mempool information, with the UTXO, with the transaction details, what has occurred and even use an analogy because you've curated the best answers from the people who can explain it simplest. You can come at the user, like think about from the context of customer support, From the context of onboarding, especially in a market like Bitcoin, and anything that's like highly technological, that has... I mean, AI itself. AI itself is going to need this. The AI market is going to need this sort of thing. Because you're specifically looking at um, industries and tools that have a huge knowledge gap. And what's funny is the acceleration that AI enables is going to make those knowledge gaps worse every single industry is going to start progressing and moving so fast obviously the more base fundamental industries will not move as fast they're they're always slow and they have bigger cycles but they are going to speed up they you know where it used to take a hundred years for like some major fundamental innovation or change maybe that's sped up to 50 years everything is accelerating going back to the very first episode with Jeff Booth Of and if you have not listened to that one you must listen to that one because that is the context of where all of this is going and also you'll see specifically in part 2 of this read where AI fits into curating the, the kind of circular uh, you know there's a chicken and egg problem but once you have an egg you can make a new chicken AI has that same sort of feedback loop not where AI can train the next AI. It's certainly not that simple, and an AI can't train itself. I love the analogy that I heard someone use, is that an AI training another AI is essentially the inbreeding version of these neural networks. It just makes itself dumber, and it doesn't have any qualifications. It doesn't have any judgment without human judgment, as to what is good or not. It requires human input to actually improve these things. And to make them better and better, you need greater and greater amounts of input with greater and greater variety of some specific uh, discipline or knowledge base from higher and higher quality and more and more intelligent participants. I think we may enter a stage where this is such a valuable part of the process that just having knowledge and being able to explain and answer questions may be able to directly return capital because the information is simply so valuable, the curated and formatted information. But it shows, But part two shows how it is that AI can actually simplify this process but still needs human feedback. There's one really cool point that I'm excited to talk about in, part two, in the part two guys take that follows. Because it's such a cool idea, and I would—it's—it's kind of another layer to how you use LLMs, and then fine-tune LLMs to better use LLMs to help curate some of the data. But we'll get into it. It's a really—I mean—it's it, in retrospect, it's intuitive, like it's obvious. But I think in foresight, it's much more difficult to see that this would be the obvious course of action. So, but but back to part one here. Is that like doing all of these interviews? One of the other big things, specifically for me, that like my type of content and being, you know, media and being audio heavy in the podcast and wanting to get into video and wanting to get more into writing, dude, the value of having what Marty Bent lays out. I loved the introduction and what Marty Bent and uh, Tales from the Crypt, TFTC, uh, is doing because they're doing the. Closed source, like paid for model of what I'm trying to find a open source system for doing. And honestly, in the meantime, I might actually just do exactly what they're doing with the closed source model just to start kind of getting the framework or getting the foundation for getting this type of content out. Um, but the ability to basically just edit a transcript of a show that has already been turned into an article to give it more make it cleaner and make it less like 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 you make it less like conversational and as uh Svetsky specifically said in this um or excuse me the the spirit of Satoshi's team I don't think Alex Svetsky wrote the whole thing by himself but one of the things that they mention is that so much of the data especially from podcasts like 98% of it has just has to just be thrown out because it's it's garbage. It's just banter. It's back and forth. It's filler words. It's kind of opinionated judgments on topics rather than the actual information that's necessary. You know, you say one thing about, oh, AI is going to do this, and you talk ten minutes about whether or not that's a good thing, that's a bad thing, what the consequences are, which aren't really related to a and a issue. Well, in that same way, a podcast that talks about a topic for an hour might be if you condensed it down to, it's great for the conversational format, it's great for the casual listener, but for someone who's searching, for someone who's looking for an answer online, it might make a fantastic seven to 10 minute article, but that's a lot of work to turn it into that. But if you can have an LLM that understands the context of Bitcoin, that understands what you're trying to explain because it's been trained and weighted on exactly that sort of conversation, that Q&A, and it can take your words... And kind of put them in the structures that it has understood from so many other Bitcoiners and not get the tone wrong, not get the, you know, not add in all of this bias and waiting from general conversation and general like, Keynesian economics that is going to completely confuse the situation that it can properly summarize and properly reword what you have already explained in a way that sounds like you and gets the actual point across. And then I can go through that seven to 10 minute article and I can clean it up. I can catch where it made a mistake, where it misunderstood the analogy or where my analogy apparently didn't explain it very well. And rather than misunderstood it under, it did understand the analogy. I just didn't get my point across. And then having that information available, the content I have already created in a different format for a different audience. But that's the whole point of my show of Bitcoin Audible. The other the other podcast that I have for anybody who listens to it is I started because I was trying to get all of these articles with so much excellent information into an audible format so that people could listen to it. And AI for for as great as it has been, it still sucks at getting the emphasis and the tonality and pulling the meaning out of the words with the the kind of passion of reading it with the kind of the voice acting part of reading it, reading and acting the meaning of it. It still sucks at that. It's so wooden. Even when it tries to have emotion or emphasis, it doesn't do it right, especially when you get like complex sentences and, you know, prepositional phrases, like, like little like cutout phrases in the middle or like a three-stage sentence. It has no idea the mental structure that's going on. And so it just reads it in this weird like you, you, you spend half the time of the next sentence trying to decipher what the hell it was saying with the previous sentence. So I'm not out of a job yet when it comes to Bitcoin Audible, but that's all it was. That's the whole value proposition of my show, aside from the fact that I give my, my take on it, that I distill the knowledge of thousands and thousands of hours worth of reading into the next piece. I'm basically a large language model that's being trained on all of these articles and ideas to then give feedback summaries and extend the thoughts and ideas in all of these works and then pull in conversations, you know, like, but that's what it is. It's translation. It's translation in kind and it's translation and bridging of concepts over time. So those LLMs being able to do that in the reverse, turning my points that distill all of this and and pull these articles together and then turning it back into textual data makes it available for the audience makes the coalescing of those ideas available for an audience that wasn't that doesn't do listening very well then the last two for the major use cases um i mean there's also also employee hiring and training that's kind of the onboarding and education problem uh, as well, then there's like legal compliance and all of this stuff. There's still a lot of other various use cases and places where AI is going to be incredibly helpful. But the two that I think stand out to me and that I see as being incredibly valuable are customer support uh, and uh, technical documentation and writing code. Again, something I've iterated in the past with a number of div- different episodes we've done related to code is the fact that the semantics are so concrete that the execution of the code is the same every single time. When we're talking about script, when we're talking about Python, like you know what the possibility of results are. So the semantics on documentation, on being able to bridge that gap, that is an incredibly powerful tool of being able to, every single block of code, say this is what it does automatically. This is one of those things that developers generally suck at, too. Like, the when you're a serious engineer, you have a serious technical and like deep understanding of the programming language or the operating system. There is another... It, you can speak English, but there can still be a massive translation problem when you're trying to explain how to interact with it or how to identify what is doing what. And, more importantly, is trying to explain it or doing that low-level stuff like just documentation is usually not something that's very interesting to them. It's the boring, awful, tedious part. They want to do the creation. They want to do the discovery process of finding how to build something. It's about solving a problem. The last thing you want to do is go through this meticulous point-by-point detail of the problem you solved. Most people just want to move on to the next mystery. And this is something that uh, it I think it's really great to have why it's great to have hope the dev I'm working with and co-host of the Building with AI series, is that he does care about those meticulous details. He's very much like everything needs perfect documentation. And this is one of those places where he's he's got his own little setup for making sure that everything goes through and every single block has documentation. So the benefit of having something like Llama 2 that can do general code and simple scripts, fine-tuned and heavily weighted and retrained on bitcoin code to be able to help in kind of the concrete and explicit designs and the language specifically that bitcoin is written in and bitcoin like the infrastructure software and then being able to translate and do documentation on what it does and why it's written and done a certain way these sort of like extremely specialty you can only train them on like 10 or 20 people in the world The benefit, like the value of proprietary, not not proprietary, of extremely highly skilled laborers and craftsmen and extremely detailed and in-depth knowledge of some specialty or some specific industry, sourcing and accumulating data from the top of the top and then breaking it up and formatting it making it available for these language models, this is how you you find the top quality for getting the best results. And it's also why these specialty fine tunings and these, these custom models, I think, are the way that this is going to go. I, I suspect that probably in like a year or a year and a half, we might have a sort of bear market in AI where actually it might be sooner. We might be kind of on the verge of a bear market right now. ...in AI because there's tons of money going into it... ...and I think there's not enough practical sticky use cases for it... ...except for a lot of just the simple... ...a lot of the things that were actually broken down in part one of this piece. But the market itself has cast such a huge net... ...thinking that it's going to do absolutely everything... ...and it's going to happen all tomorrow... And you're going to be able to replace employees and you're not, you're moving the problem to a different layer. Now the problem is how do you get source the information? And we'll get even deeper into that in part two of this report, but this shines such a great light on the process. I feel like I pulled a lot of great stuff out of this uh, a report and I hope you guys are kind of from that same perspective and you're finding it valuable too because this stuff really this is the kind of like knit and gritty and the details that you know you kind of have like a window of going the next step deeper now you know what to look for and now you kind of have that new layer approach or visualization for the whole thing and when you have a better bigger picture when your bigger picture has more clarity and you know as higher resolution It makes it easier to know what to target as opposed to trying to figure out what even the pieces are of the next step. So if you want to do something around a model or you want to know how to be useful to the community, to the ecosystem, having that big picture view of everything that goes on in the process, you realize how valuable it is just to go answer some questions, just to go sort through what a good question is and what what a good answer is and what a bad answer is. Just knowing that maybe if you could break up some specific pieces of content that you are reading and maybe if you can get, this might be something really valuable. This might be a great way to use AI uh, in a personal sense is that when you find something that's like a decent explanation or a decent piece of data on some topic or a good example is that I am constantly saving things that are specific to certain like good Bitcoin arguments. Like I literally have a tag in my notes, in my obsidian notes of good Bitcoin arguments, of good quotes, of good sections, like grabbing sections out of tons of the different books that I read and the ones that I narrate. I I have those highlighted. And some of those things are just great points regarding one thing. And if I could just come up with a question in which that was the answer, I could start, I could curate that knowledge for what i find interesting i just need to know how to curate it in such a way that it's useful to a language model and what's cool is i can start saving things like that and use a language model use something that's visible into what i'm doing in reverse where it trying to it tries to automatically pull whatever question that would be an answer to i don't know there might be something there that might be a really great single purpose app of uh, maybe I could reach out to Svetsky. We'll see if he listens to this and maybe he even gets this and has an idea for me. Um, but the idea of uh, something on my computer that any text that I highlighted, I can like kind of save and call the app like AI Builder or something or or LLM Formatter or Organizer, whatever. But what it does is that whenever I find something that I think is valuable, I I highlight it and it immediately takes that text it reads it with OpenAI or Mixtral on my own machine and then tries to reverse engineer a question and it gives me like three different options. And either I quickly just pick the the option that fits so it saves me some time or I write in my custom question and then it automatically saves it to whatever database thing. Like All I have to do is highlight and pick or type in a question. And I don't have to see, like it's not like a busy interface. It's just a like maybe it's a keyboard shortcut and then the next thing that I highlight. If you bring down that barrier as much as possible, maybe it then becomes, you know, when he says the the quote of, you know, you can train an AI on your own stuff. I had, and he says it's nonsense, I realize now how nonsense it is, and to some degree I understood that there was a lot of work going into it, but... You're right that you can't just, I can't just give it my notes. I mean, I could give a model that was already trained my notes and then I could ask it contextual questions, but only if it literally has the context window of taking all of that into effect. I can't really just use my notes to fine tune. My notes need to be formatted in a way, which means that that format, that's one of the things that I've done with a lot of the scripts and stuff that I've built already, which I think ai excels at for building these simple little things is i've been pre-building in the formats for how i interact with stuff that's what my automatically create a new project with ai unchained and bitcoin audible little script system is it's setting up a formal format for my naming conventions for how my folders and archiving is going to go so that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to remember that that's how it works. It's just already there for me. It's complete right when I start a project. Well, if we think about large language models, if we we allow our computer to treat all of the things that we do or allow our saving system to kind of go through an AI filter that can format things based on how we want to access that, inform- access that information later and specifically create a version that makes it good at training an AI on this exact thing. You can essentially combine your act of curating and um, c- kind of pulling together information and data in your daily life. The stuff that you literally already do with all of the information, all of the things you try to figure out. You mold the tools around you that you're using to kind of prep that data during that process for being useful to AI. So in the same sense that we talk about like training it on a bunch of questions and answers and then training it on, you know, being able to summarize and turn something into a newsletter article uh, or a blog post from, you know, somebody's ramblings, like my ramblings on a podcast, you can also train them on the formatting of the data. And then you can make an interface of pulling that data very, very quickly by allowing the individual user to kind of change some habit or or make some very easy one-two click to get that data in that form. And what's funny is this is actually part of the post-processing in a sense. And you'll get that in part two of when when we dig into actually building a full language model. Like what is the actual process? And that's, I'm really excited to dig into that. So I don't want to lead it too much, but there's, that's one of the tricks that I had not foreseen that I thought was really, really clever and kind of fascinating in the way that they, it it shows, oh my God, I think it really shows why AI is an amplifier. It's just an amplifier of things that we can already do and an amplifier of skills and quality data that we give it. And that is that is something that I think Alex Fetsky said when when he was the first on the show, and I think I appreciate it at another level. Uh, and we will dig into that with part two. So we will close this one here because we have a lot of a lot more to unpack in this piece. And I will catch you on the next episode. A huge thank you to uh, Swan Bitcoin and to CoinKite for supporting this show, and a thank you to all of you. Don't forget to rate. To don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this out. It is a huge help. I love you all, and until next time, take it easy, guys. Revolutions bring disruptions. And disruptions bring opportunities. Nikki Verd: Disrupt yourself or be disrupted.